That's where most of us are stuck between Egypt and Canaan. And some people spend their entire Christian lives right there. They never go into the promised land of, of conquering the sin, getting victory over sin, defeating the giants, living holy, being godly, creating a situation, leaving a legacy behind that future generations for thousands of years would come to know the Lord. They would rather have the world than to leave a legacy thousands of years long for God's people. So it's a picture of us. And so what does he do? He's breaking us in the wilderness. He says in verse 15 of, of Numbers chapter 9, he says, On that day, on the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, and at evening it was over the tabernacle like the, uh, like the appearance of fire in the morning. So it was always. So, uh, the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that the people of Israel set out. Now mind you, they're wandering 40 years. You see, what are they learning in the desert? To be led by the Spirit. You see, this is what you and I are learning in our prisons. We are learning to be led by the Spirit. When the Spirit says go, we go. When the Spirit says stay, we stay. When the Spirit says don't do this, we don't do it. When the Spirit says do this, we do it. And when you live like that, you don't need rules. Listen to me carefully. You don't need rules when you're led by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do anything wrong. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I don't need to know what the alcohol limit is when I drive because I don't drink. I don't need what the, to know what the, what the statutory, the limits of statutory rape are because I don't fornicate. <laughs> I don't need to know how long I'm going to go to jail if I steal because I don't steal. The Holy Spirit's not going to let me steal. You see, when you're led by the Spirit, you don't need rules to govern you. And this is exactly what God offered the children of Israel when they first came out of Egypt. He didn't give them laws when they first came out. Remember that. The law didn't come until Exodus 20-something, 20 22. 20, was that Exodus 21? He didn't give them rules until then. Because why? They would not be led by the Spirit. So it's like, okay, well, you won't be led by the Spirit. You got to have something to control you. Because otherwise you'll be out of control. So he gave them the law. And he even says, I get in, in another place, I gave them laws that were not good. All laws are not good. They're not good. But God gave it to you as a punishment. It's a discipline. It's a judgment because you will not follow him. So if you're not going to follow him, then take these oppressive laws. He says, after that, in verse 17, after that, the people of Israel set out and in the place where the clouds settled down, there the people of Israel camped at the command of the Lord. The people of Israel set out and at the command of the Lord, they camped as long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle. They remained in the camp, even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle. Many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle. And according to the command of the Lord, they remained in the camp. Then, according to the command of the Lord, they set out. And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning. And when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. And the command of the Lord, they camped 
And at the command of the Lord, they set out. And what is the lesson that 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 chapter is trying to teach us? Is that no matter what the situation is, whether it's a day, two days, a month, a year, a lifetime, whether it's five minutes, ten minutes, we are under the submission of the Holy Spirit. That's the lesson for us. I almost reminds me of when I was in basic military training, which was like prison. Oh my God, hell on earth. All every day, the moment you open your eyes, the moment you close them at night, your day was completely controlled. And what would they do? Up, down, get dressed. Get, you know, I remember the first week, they called it zero week. This is where you first learn to start obeying commands. So they had this horrible, torturous drill that they used to do on us where we would be in our... Um, uh, um, BD, or uh, I'm not getting in trouble for saying that, but our BDUs, for lack of a better word, our, our fatigues. We'd be in our fatigues. Uh, PT gear, within a minute, boom, you had to undress, get in your PT gear. BDUs, boom, get undressed again. Lay down, bam, you had to lay down, get up, change, lay down, get up, change, lay down, get up, change. They did that for almost an hour. We had almost a whole week of drills like that. A whole week. What were they trying to do? They were trying to do exactly what the Lord does, was doing for the children of Israel in the wilderness. And that's why they do basic military training. They take you out of the civilian life. They take you out of the civilian life, put you onto a base, a controlled environment where you will be indoctrinated in the ways of the military. They tear down the civilian way because you can't function in, in the military as, as, as with civilian habits. You can't. There's no talking back in the military. I'm sorry, you civilian. Work, you, you, there's no talking back. You'll go to jail for that. There's no not paying your bills on time because the military will find out and you can get busted down in rank. There's none of the stuff that you can do in the civilian world to take in place in the military world. So they've got to strip you down of all your civilian habits bad and good, strip you down of all that and build you up into the military way. And this is exactly what the Lord does for us. He takes us out of our environment. He says, you cannot live like you used to in the world. You cannot have your sex. You cannot have your drugs. You cannot have your party and your TV and movies and all this other trash that's anti-Christ. You cannot have that. I'm taking you out of that. I'm putting you now in a controlled environment, the church, of our Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua Mashiach, and I'm training you up in the ways of Yeshua. I am tearing down, I'm putting you into this prison, I'm putting you in this family, I'm giving you this wife or this husband, I'm allowing this situation to happen to tear down your worldly ways and build you up in Christ's ways. And the reason why it takes us so long to get it is because we refuse to have our ways torn down. Well, I'll show you, Lord. I'm going to just keep being stubborn and keep being rebellious. Okay, well, it's your life. <laughs> you Guess what? You, you can say that, but you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. You're going to stay stuck right there until you either get it or you're going to die, just like the children of Israel did. They were in that wilderness, and those who didn't get it, those who didn't want to go into the land, God made them wander for 40 years. All of them died. The children had to suffer for it too, but they learned. They said, oh, <laughs> our parents rebelled. They didn't want to be broken. They didn't want to be changed. They wanted to stay stubborn, follow their own way, follow their own plan, do all this. Now they're dead. Now it's us now, and we are going into the land. We're not going to be like our parents. 
We're going in. We're going to conquer the sin. We're going to deal with our deficits. We're going to go into the past. We're going to dig up the roots. We're going to dig up our pain. We're going to deal with the source of it. We're going to get at it. We're going to dig. We're going to search. We're going to fast. We're going to pray. We're going to fear God. We're going to learn the lessons. We're going to deal with ourselves. And we're going to go into the land. And we're going to fight. We're going to fight. We're going to fight with all our heart. We're going to fight for 20 years if it takes it. We're going to fight in deserts. We're going to fight in the, in the hills. We're going to fight in the plains, in the deserts, in the mountains, in the valleys. We're going to fight the enemy everywhere. And we're going to get victory over him in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to fight everywhere. We're going to deal with our past issues. We're going to deal with our problems. We're going to deal with what, what was done to us, the traumas, the abuse, the rape, the neglect, the abandonment, all of our deficits. We're going to deal with it. We're going to fight. And we're not going to stop fighting. Because God is with us. And that's why it even mentions, that's why it's even on record in the first place of all the different places that they fought. It says they fought some in valleys. They fought some in mountains. They fought some in the desert. They fought some in the plains. Why does he mention all those different terrains? To show you that God can defeat the enemy anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. The, de the devil can be defeated anywhere. Everywhere the enemy is. Everywhere sin is. Everywhere in our life. Where the sin is, it can be beaten by the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. It can be beaten. It can be defeated anywhere, anywhere. And so we don't have to be afraid of the situations that we face or that we approach. Because no matter where we, where we find ourselves, where we find God leading us, we already know that the enemy can be defeated. And it's when they didn't fight. It's when they stopped fighting. That's when they went backward. Once they stopped fighting, once you look at Joshua, they didn't sin in Joshua. You see the book, you read the book of Joshua. They made one mistake. One, they didn't consult God with the Gibeonites. Okay, they made one mistake. Fine. The other 99, the other 20, what is it? They fought for 20 something years fighting the enemy. They didn't make a mistake. Not once. Not after that. They learned the lesson. Okay, we repent. After that, they kept on fighting. And they, and they had a general conquest of the land. They had a general conquest. They had conquered it. Sure, there were pockets of the enemy here and there, but that's a picture of our life. There's always going to be an enemy left. That we still got to fight him. But we're going to get a general conquest of the land. General conquest of our hearts. And when the Lord shows us those pockets, we go after them. You see, where they, where they went wrong is that they made a deal with those enemies. Those enemies that were left, they made a deal with them. Okay, well, we'll put you to forced labor. You, you can live here as long as you work for us. And that's, that's kind of how we do with our sin. Well, you can live in my mind for a little bit just as long as you make me happy. As long as you please me. But when they were fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting, when they were always at civil war, always in a state of war, they didn't sin. And it's the same thing with us. When you and I are, when we are in these prisons and we're dealing with ourselves and God is showing us these things, as long as we are fighting, we will never sin. As long as we're fighting it, as long as we're fighting, 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 we'll never go back. We'll never go back to Egypt. Never. And it's like, and that's the attitude we have to have. I'd rather die out here in this desert or I'd rather die fighting in Canaan. If I'm killed by the enemy, fine. I'd rather die there. I'd rather die there than be a slave in Egypt. I'd rather die fighting for God, fighting for the Lord, 
than being a slave to my sin in Egypt. I'd rather die fighting it. And that's the attitude that you and I have to have. It's an attitude that says, I choose death with the Lord than life with sin. And so what we see is we find and in, in, um, we find that God brought brought them out of he brought them out of Egypt. He brought them out of Egypt. He brought them into the desert and he worked on them. They didn't have food. They didn't have water. They didn't have there are many things. The Lord was putting them through so many different situations, so many difficulties. Why? Because through all those difficulties, what was the Lord doing? They were not only learning about themselves and the worldliness that was in them, but they were learning about God. They were learning that, hey, no matter what the situation is, no matter how absolutely impossible it is, I'm here for you. Amen. And I'm going to take care of you. And, and no matter how far behind you feel or how low you feel or how absolutely hopeless it seems, in this desert, in this place, I am going to help you. I am going to strengthen you. I'm going to uphold you. You're going to run into situations where there is no water. Thank you, sister. You're going to run into situations where there is no water. It seems like, Lord, I don't feel you at all. I don't feel the power of the Holy Spirit at all. I just, all I see is hardness, difficulty everywhere, all the time. It's not getting better. There's going to be places where it's like, Lord, I don't, I'm not being fed. I don't feel, I don't have any food. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm growing spiritually. Even in that, there's God right there to provide. It's all a test for you and me. That's all it is, is to get our worldliness out of us, the worldly doubt, the worldly unbelief, the worldly fears, the worldly behaviors of our past life, to get all of that mess out of us because there's just no other way to do it. There's just no other way. It's like when you cook food. How in the world are you going to cook a frozen hamburger by putting it in the freezer? You can't do that. You see what I'm saying? You can't do it. That's right. You can't do it. It's got to be, you got to cook it with, you got to put heat to it. And that's the only way you're going to cook it and get all the impurities and junk out of it. It's got to go through the fire. And it's the same thing as the Bible calls us bread. The Bible, uh, Yeshua is the bread of life. And, and we are offered to him. If, if, we are, if we're going to be like that, that bread's got to go in the oven to rise. Even unleavened bread was made with fire. And that's how you and I are made an offering to God. Broken bread and poured out wine. Just like our offering here. He, this Yeshua said, this is my body is broken for you. And what does Paul say? Paul says, I die daily. He says, we always carry in our bodies, what? The death of Jesus. So that what? The life of Jesus can be made known. We can't make the life of Jesus known unless we make the death of Jesus known. And what did Jesus die? How did Jesus die? Jesus, first and foremost, died to his own will. That's what he died to first. And then he died on the cross. But in between all that, what did he have to go through? He had to suffer through life. Every single day he was tempted. You don't think he was tempted by women, tempted to deviate from the plan, tempted to go here, tempted to go there. Of course he was. The Bible says he was tempted in all points just like we are. Yet was, he was without sin because he chose to be broken. His will broken. Break me, Father. He broke his, his will was broken, and that's the circumcision. The true circumcision, that's what the Jews went through. The true, on the eighth day, they had their foreskin of their 
private parts circumcised. That was a sign of the covenant. But in the new covenant, in Romans chapter two, Paul says, I, he says, he says, he who is a Jew is not one outwardly, but he who is a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision, the cutting is what? It takes place in the heart. You see, that's what that prison is for, for the circumcision, the cutting away, the cutting, the pain, the cutting of the, of the past life, the cutting away of my self-will, of doing what I want to do, the cutting away of that. That's where that takes place. He says circumcision takes place in the heart. By who? By the Spirit. And then, and then what happens? When that happens, our praise doesn't come from men. We don't need the praises of men. We don't need the praise of our families. We don't need the, praise, the applause of the audience or the congratulations of anybody. We don't need any of that because our praise comes from God. And so this is the goal of God, the brokenness, the cutting away. And that cutting is painful. Being in prison is painful. I know. I have a relative who was in prison for 15 years. 15 years. All the hell that he'd been through in those 15 years. Seeing people get killed. Seeing people get raped, jumped riots every day. I mean, think of it. Your life is threatened every day. It's like being in the jungle. But that's where the Lord puts you. He'll put you in a new hope. He'll put you in a, in a facility. He'll put you <clears throat> with a difficult family who's had a difficult background. He'll allow you to be married to somebody and then you go through difficult times. It's through the difficulty that God breaks us. He says in, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, in verse two, he says, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Why? Why did he lead you in the wilderness? Why didn't he take you straight to Canaan? Why? Even, even before they sinned, the Lord didn't take them straight to Canaan. Why? Why did he not do that? And if you even go back further than that, why did he give them a, a land at the first why did Abraham and Isaac and Jacob all die without the land? Why? Why did 400 years have to pass before they got the land? Why? Esau got a land and princes and a king almost immediately. Ishmael got land and kings and princes almost immediately. But God's people didn't get any of that. They didn't get any of that at the first. They didn't get any of that. I'm going to read this and stop because my time's run out here. I didn't know the time. I'm sorry. He says, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Why? That he might humble you. You see, that's what we lack. We lack humility before God. We are so proud in the presence of God. And it's not all our fault. We live in a society that's just proud. Arrogance is in the air. It's in the water. We can't do nothing about it. But... There's also an arrogance that's in us. And God has to break us of that arrogance, that thinking that we know better than God and have a better plan than God. He has to break us of that. He has to humble us of that. That plan of going back into Egypt, God's got to strip you of that. That's what humbling is. He's got to take that, that idea that you have that you can enjoy the world and enjoy him. He's got to take that away from you. That desire to go back to your old life and live how you want to live and do what you want to do. He's got to take that away from you. So he's got to do what? He's got to humble you. He says, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep the commandments or not. And that's how you and I know. 
When you and I are tested, that's how we know whether we're going to keep God's commands or not. There's no other way. He says, and he humbled you and let you what? Hunger. He put you in a situation where you were hungry. He put you in situations where you're thirsty. Whether it's for love or thirsty for, for uh, bonding, whether it's thirst for whatever, whatever you and I are hungry for, he allows that to hunger you. He says, and he humbled you and let you hunger. And, he, and then what did he do? You were hungry for love. And so you went out into the world. You thought the world had the answer. You were hungry for attention. So you, went, you thought the world had the answer. You were hungry for uh, some type of affirmation. And you thought the world could give you that by accomplishment, success or drugs or sex, whatever you, whatever the drug of choice is, whatever the thing is, or education, you, you thought being the smartest in the room, you thought that was going to satisfy the hunger. But the Lord says, no, I feel feed you with manna from heaven. He lets you hunger and shows you that that's a worldly hunger that you have. And that thing that you need, you can get it from him. He feeds you. He gives you. He takes care of your needs, your emotional and physical needs. He says, and fed you with manna, which you did not know. That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Verse four, he says, your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. He says, so what happened? He took care of your material needs. See, he took care of your physical needs, your in, your inner, the needs of your inner life, because that's where food goes. Food goes into the, it's a picture of the inner life. We have emotional needs, that unloved wife, that husband who doesn't feel respected. That daughter who doesn't feel loved by her parents or who feels like her parents love some other child more than they love her. That feeling of being ignored and not paid attention to. See, the Lord feeds that inner man, inner man. And then not only does he feed that inner man, he feeds the, he takes care of the outer man. Your clothing didn't wear out on you. So that material need that you said, oh, I've got to compromise to get this. No, I'll take care of you. Verse five. So then you'll know then that in your heart, that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks and water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and the hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land which you will eat bread without scarcity. And see, and that's what holiness is. Holiness is that land of fountains and springs, of food that never ends. That's the land the Holy Spirit wants. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the land. That is what, that's the land of holiness. That's holiness that God has for us. And that's like God, because God never ends. It's a place where when he brings us to that place, <clears throat> God is bringing us to himself. I am the spring that doesn't run out. I'm the food that feeds you to the full. I'm the one. It's me. You can get all that you need and never run out in me. But you got to fight for it. You got to fight those sins. You got to fight the wickedness. You got to deal with your past. You got to forgive some people. You got to let some people go. You got to address the things that you've done. You see, both of us, all of us, we must address the things that we've done. We must address the things that have been done to us. 
And we must forgive completely. And we must make God our all in all. Stop this double-minded business of wanting some of the world and some of God too. We'll go to hell like that. All of us will. Being double-minded will send us straight to hell. We've got to stop that. We've got to get out of the wilderness and into the land of Canaan. And we've got to learn what we've got to learn while we're in our wilderness, while we're in our prisons. We've got to learn and unlearn what we've got to learn and unlearn. And then we can move on and conquer. That's what God has for you and me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, Lord. Give us the grace to learn what we must learn in our prisons, Father. The places where you put us, where you tie us down and discipline us, Father. You get the foolishness out of our hearts, Father. Get the double-mindedness out of our hearts, Lord. This wanting other things, God. This desire for other things. Take that away from us, Lord. Whatever means of discipline you've got to use to take away from us the desire for other things. Use it on us, Lord, because we've got to stop. We've got to stop. Otherwise, we won't come to you. Thank you for all you've already done for us, Father. Thank you for your goodness and mercy towards us. Have your way. Help us to love each other with a pure heart, a sincere, a clear conscience, and sincere faith. We pray for our fellowship. In your holy name, Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great day. God bless you. Bye-bye. Amen. Amen. Oh, shoot. Uh, it's okay. I'll call, right? I know.